Listen to any earnings call with the Borstar Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. I'm Ms. Matthew, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Shopify conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question at this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. Katie Kata, Head of HR, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We are glad you can join us for Shopify's second quarter 2018 conference call. We are joined this morning by Toby Lutke, Shopify CEO, Harley Finkelstein, our Chief Operating Officer, and Amy Shapiro, our CFO. After prepared remarks, we will open it up for your questions. We will make forward-looking statements on our call today. These statements are based on assumptions and therefore subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. We undertake no obligation to update these statements except as required by law. You can read about these risks and uncertainties in our press release this morning as well as in our filings with U.S. and Canadian regulators. Also, our commentary today will include adjusted financial measures, which are non-GAAP measures. These should be considered as a supplement to, not a substitute for GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations between the two can be found in our earnings press release, which is available on our website. And finally, note that because we report in U.S. dollars, all amounts discussed today are in U.S. dollars, unless otherwise indicated. With that, I turn the call over to Harley. Thanks, Katie, and good morning, everyone. We delivered another quarter of strong results in Q2. In the quarter, we spent a valuable three days with partners at a Unite conference. We announced dozens of new features and capabilities, and we added more merchants than ever to Shopify Plus. In other words, we spent Q2 doing all the things that, when executed well, produce continued strong results in the future. In fact, this month, we hit a really special milestone. The one billionth order was placed on Shopify. What's remarkable about this is the pace at which we've achieved this milestone. It took us more than 10 years to get to half a billion orders and just a fraction of that time to double it. This rapid growth is a testament to the strength of our platform, our PLUS program, and our partner ecosystem. Let's start with our platform. Several of the product announcements we made in the quarter are the result of work we started long ago, and we are looking forward to rolling them out to our merchants before the end of this year. A few of these key product announcements include multi-location, which enables merchants to track and update inventory across multiple locations. Fraud Protect for Shopify Payments, which helps merchants sell with greater confidence, and the introduction of the Tap and Chip Reader to transform in-store shopping experiences. We've already launched several of these products that were announced at Unite, including buy one, get one capabilities and quantity discounts. We also launched Ping, our mobile app that consolidates merchants' business conversations with staff, customers, and even their AI employee, better known as Kit. Through Ping, merchants can now run their store and handle their marketing conversationally. Finally, we launched Dynamic Checkout, which enables shoppers to quickly check out directly on a product page using their preferred payment method. This feature is expected to increase conversions by further reducing friction to complete a sale. All of these, along with other initiatives, are aimed at helping entrepreneurs on our platform sell more and work more efficiently. This will in turn support the continued growth of our merchant base and the expansion of GMV on our platform. Moving on to Shopify Plus. As I mentioned, Shopify Plus really knocked it out of the park in Q2. 
Four years ago, we invested in Plus to increase the flexibility of our platform for high-growth, higher-volume merchants, and the value of these investments is becoming more apparent than ever. Larger brands we welcomed to Shopify Plus this quarter range from consumer goods and clothing to sports gear and jewelry. These include the diamond company De Beers, Reckitt Benkeiser, which manufactures products like Lysol, Airwick, Clearasil, and KY Jelly, high-end skincare Revive, Super Footwear, which sells skateboarding footwear and apparel, and household names such as K-Swiss, SodaStream, as well as new shop launches from CPGs like Unilever. Highlighting our push internationally was the launch of a new shop in Japan by the internationally renowned brand Comme des Garçons. We continue to improve the Shopify Plus merchant experience by enhancing support capabilities for these larger brands and by building more advanced enterprise features directly into our platform. Shopify Flow, for example, which was announced at last year's Unite, brought the power of automation to Shopify Plus. Connectors for Shopify Flow, which we announced at this year's Unite, expands these automation benefits to apps and services, allowing merchants to simplify workflows across the tools that they use every day. We are also on track to release our multi-currency feature later this year for Plus merchants, which will allow them to sell in multiple currencies and settle in their local currency. Finally, our partner ecosystem. We held our third annual Unite Partner Conference in Toronto in May, an event that only gets better every year as a forum to collaborate and celebrate with our partners. With the rapid evolution of retail and Shopify's position as a retail industry leader, partners are becoming even more important to the merchant experience. More than 16,000 partners referred merchants to the platform in the last 12 months, and the number of apps in the App Store has grown to 2,500. Our continuous improvements curating these apps to ensure merchants find the right apps at the right time seems to be paying off. Today, not only is a greater percentage of our merchants paying for apps than a year ago, per merchant spend on apps has also increased. Finally, we expect both partners and merchants will benefit from our discovery algorithms, which are central to the new services marketplace and the Shopify App Store 2.0. As you know, our partner ecosystem extends beyond theme, app, and referral partners. We recently announced a partnership between Shopify and Google to help make physical stores more secure. Shopify now offers Nest Cam hardware and Google Wi-Fi routers in our hardware store to our more than 70,000 point-of-sale merchants. This gives businesses the ability to manage and monitor their physical locations centrally from the Shopify dashboard, further integrating a merchant's complete view and management of their business directly into the Shopify platform. If any of you are in LA, you can come check out all of our hardware in person in our new Shopify retail space, which will be open for business in Q4. The common thread connecting all of our partnerships is that Shopify is really delightful to build on, to work with, to support, and to recommend. Our view is that our platform is more of a retail operating system than a software suite, and we believe this is a key part of our sustainable competitive advantage going forward. In closing, we are on a long-term journey to build a holistic system that solves key challenges entrepreneurs face while starting and running a successful business. While we still have a lot of work ahead of us, this quarter's progress demonstrates that we are moving in the right direction and that we continue to be well-positioned to lead, to inspire entrepreneurship, and to build a company that thrives over the years ahead. Thanks, Harley, and good morning, everyone. Shopify showed solid growth in the second quarter. We continued to execute on key initiatives and demonstrated the strength of our business model and the diversity of our revenue base. 
We grew our revenue in the second quarter 62% to $245 million. Within this, Merchant Solutions revenue expanded 68% year-over-year to $134.2 million, and Subscription Solutions revenue grew 55% to $110.7 million. GMV, one measure of our merchant success, expanded 56% to $9.1 billion. GMV growth, along with continued adoption by our merchant base of every one of our Merchant Solutions offerings in the quarter, drove the strong growth in Merchant Solutions revenue. The amount processed on Shopify payments reached $3.6 billion, an increase of 66% versus the comparable quarter last year. The percentage of GMV processed on Shopify payments ticked up to 40%. This is the highest level of GPV we have seen to date, driven largely by Shopify Plus increasing its share of GPV. Revenue from capital and shipping, both higher margin solutions, grew over 100% from last year. Subscription solutions growth was driven primarily by monthly recurring revenue, which grew 49% and ended the quarter at $35.3 million. Merchant ads continue to be the primary driver, however we are increasingly benefiting from a larger contribution from Shopify Plus merchants, who continued to expand their share of MRR to 23% of total MRR, or $8.1 million. This compares with 18% in Q2 of last year. Shopify Plus platform revenue, which is the subscription revenue above what we can consider to be recurring because it is linked to GMV, contributed slightly. The bigger contributor to the difference between recurring revenue and subscription revenue was apps revenue, which more than doubled over last year's second quarter. Our adjusted operating loss in Q2 was approximately $4.3 million, or 1.7% of revenue, compared with a loss of $2.9 million, or 1.9% of revenue, in the second quarter of 2017. Adjusted net income for the quarter was $2.5 million, or $0.02 per share. This compares with a $1.1 million net loss, or $0.01 cent per share, for last year's second quarter. Our cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities balance was $1.6 billion, consistent with our March 31st balance. Cash flow from operations was negative in the quarter due to the strong growth of merchant cash advances. This use of funds for MCA is just one example of how we have been putting capital to good use at Shopify. Diversification is critical to good investing, and this is something Shopify has in spades. This may be something casual investors miss, but our results in Q2 certainly highlighted this. Investments we made in past years which diversified our revenue streams are paying off. Shopify Plus had a fabulous quarter, and the resources allocated a couple of years ago to start Shopify Shipping and Shopify Capital also continue to show excellent results. This optionality is among the most exciting and also the most challenging issues facing Shopify. Which opportunities do we stand behind and fully focus our efforts on? The three areas we carved out at the start of this year are Platform, International, and Shopify Plus were the right ones, albeit with different time horizons. Harley has already spoken to the success in Shopify Plus, which has had the most time to establish itself and gain momentum. The investments in our platform, while not as obvious, are incredibly important to establishing a strong foundation for future growth. Our transition to the cloud, which we began to work on nearly two years ago, is now complete. While it was not without headwinds in the short term to our subscription margins, 
as this has been a major investment. This transition has made our platform faster, more adaptable to needs globally, and lets us innovate faster than ever. In other words, it is a payoff we expect to benefit from for years into the future. A huge thank you and congratulations to this team and the many others that contributed. We will complete the decommissioning and depreciation of our remaining data center hardware this quarter, and in Q4, begin to look for ways to optimize our costs in the cloud, which as you know, are slightly higher than running our own data centers, but which we believe are well worth the premium. Finally, our efforts internationally have been deliberate and targeted. Two months ago, we released an early beta for Shopify in six languages, French, German, Japanese, Italian, Brazilian, Portuguese, and Spanish. Already, tens of thousands of our merchants have opted in, which is as easy as changing staff level settings in your store. On track for launch this fall is our first local payment method for Shopify payments. Local payment methods offer buyers the payment options they know and trust based on currency and regional popularity, which vary greatly by region. We were already seeing a tailwind international merchant mix from our marketing initiatives in local languages last year, and would expect the native language features to continue this momentum outside our core geographies. And like other investments, we would expect sustained payoffs from our efforts here to fully materialize over the next several years. This long-term thinking is behind the preliminary short-form-based shelf prospectus we filed yesterday evening. Our original shelf expires this quarter. By filing this shelf, we'll retain financial flexibility over the next two years. Optionality is core to strategic success, and by keeping it sufficiently available, we mitigate the risk of losing out on important opportunities. We've already put capital to work effectively in our opportunity-rich space over the past several years, and fully intend to continue our favorable track record. To be clear, we consider this to be ordinary course of business given the pending expiry of our current shelf, and we have no current intention to undertake an offering. Given the strong top-line growth in the quarter, we are raising our revenue expectations for the full year and now expect to grow revenue at slightly better than 50% to between $1 billion, $15 million and $1 billion, $25 million. We are maintaining our adjusted operating income expectation, which is between break-even to $5 million. For the third quarter, we expect revenue of $253 to $257 million and an adjusted operating loss of $9 to $11 million. Stock-based compensation in 2018 is still expected to be approximately $110 million for the full year, with about $31 million of this in the third quarter. It is worth reminding you here that the base supporting our rapid revenue growth is broad, strengthened by new merchants joining our platform from entrepreneurs to larger brands leveraging Shopify Plus, greater merchant adoption of our services as well as those of our partners, and importantly, the growth of our merchants' own businesses, boosted by continued enhancements to our platform that makes selling easier. We believe that investing across this broad foundation supports a growth trajectory that extends well into the future. With that, I'll hand the call back to Katie. Thanks, Amy. Before we turn it over to question and answer session, I'd like to remind everybody on the call today to please limit yourself to one question. That way, everyone can get a chance to ask a question. Matthew, can we begin polling for questions, please? Thank you. 
At this time, I'd like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star with the number one on your telephone keypad. Our first question comes from the line of Brad Zelnick with Credit Suites. Your line is open. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate merchant count is something you disclose annually, but can you give us any sense of subscription dollars per merchant across basic, advanced, and plus? Uh, no, that's not a disclosure that um, that that we um, are um, are prepared to to give on this call. Um, we um, we did see in in the quarter um, a subscription um, MRR um, per merchant stay largely within the same range that we've seen over the last four to six quarters. Um, and uh, we did see an uptick in um, GMV per merchant, both quarter over quarter and year over year. That helps. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Our next question comes from the line of Colin Sebastian with Robert Baird. Your line is open. Great, thanks. Um, in terms of the shipping and capital acceleration, was curious if there are any underlying factors or drivers there on the business development sales side, or is that more of the natural out, output from um, how that business began to progress last year? If you could add some color, thank you. Sure, that's Harley. I'll take that question. Uh, so in terms of uh, both shipping and capital, uh, with shipping, we've added new partners to it, and we're just getting better at making sure that the right merchants are using the right products on our merchant solutions side. Same thing with capital. Uh, we've, uh, as you now know, uh, we, we've uh, optimized capital uh, to be algorithmic-based, and so we're able to make a lot more targeted um, offers to our merchants uh, at the right time for the right amounts and make sure that they're tailored to the specific needs of the merchant. So in general, I think uh, both of those products, uh, penetration continues to grow, and, and as we get smarter about figuring out who needs them and when they need them, uh, you'll see that continue as well. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Our next question comes from the line of Monica Garg with KeyBank. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh, so Facebook changed its data sharing policies and Europe implemented GDPR in the quarter. Are you seeing any impact from that or do you, see, do you expect any impact from the same? Thank you. Hey, thank you. This is Toby. Um, um, so GDPR, like we didn't see a lot of impact, honestly. Um, again, um, on our business, it doesn't have a lot of bearing. Like our customers, our merchants' data has always been their own, and uh, you know we have we did not have to change any policies. In fact, um, from a, a philosophy point of view, we have been um, um, our, our opinion has always been that. Uh, Data is being uh, taken a little bit to lax generally in the technology industry. We've, we've held ourselves to very, very high standards, and the GDPR um, um, set of regulations have, if anything, um, codified the approach we've taken all along. So when GDPR came around, we, we've had we had to go ahead and make some uh, changes, not in spirit to the way we, we we deal with data, but rather just sort of to comply with a precise lettering of, uh, of our regulations, and we were compatible with on day one, and our merchant base really appreciated that. But one thing we do, um, which is probably what you're really curious about, is what we see in terms of impact, because um, um, there's some marketing impact. Our, our merchants are place a lot of ads uh, across different systems. Um, so we did look into this, and on, honestly, we did not see much change uh, in terms of effectiveness of 
marketing. Now we have limited visibility, so I can't say that for sure. But in just in terms of volume and uh, advertising referred sales across the across the system, the impact was really really um, minor, if if they are at all. So um, not much to report on that front. Great, thanks, Monica. Our next question comes from the line of Gus Papa Giorgio with Macquarie Research. Your line is open. All right. <clears throat> Thanks for taking my question. Just on Shopify Capital and shipping, um, and both seem to be doing quite well, but uh, it seems to me that you're still, uh, these are still very limited regionally. I, I think uh, Capital is only available in the U.S. and shipping only in Canada and the U.S. Do you have plans to roll these out globally and, you know, what have been the barriers to do so? I mean, why, why is it taking so long to see these kind of roll out um, on a broader international basis? Hey there, it's Harley again. Uh, yeah, so on, on the shipping one, certainly, uh, as, you, as you know, one of our priorities for the year is international expansion. So as we look to new geographies, not just with localized payment methods, but also uh, localized translation and things of that nature, things like shipping providers will also come uh, eventually come as well, and, and that's something we're exploring. On the capital side, we're really trying to get it right. Uh, we think that it's really important that we do this properly, and so we're not just uh, arbitrarily rolling this out to geographies where we don't feel like we have a really underst real understanding of, of the markets. So I think you'll continue to see international expansion uh, with, with things like payments and shipping and, and also capital, all those great merchant solutions, but it'll be done in a very deliberate way, which is just really how we do everything at Shopify. Do you have a sense of timing for capital? Like, do you think by year end or next year that you'll be able to, you'll be more comfortable rolling it out globally? That's not something. Yeah, that's not something that uh, we're going to disclose at this point. Okay. Thanks for taking my question. No problem. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Gus. Our next question comes from the line of Ross McMillan with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Uh, thanks so much. Um, um, payment volume ticked up as a percentage of GMV, uh, and it had been pretty constant for a few quarters. I just wondered if there was anything to call out here, because it feels like most of the international opportunity is still ahead of us. You didn't really open the spigot on, on new markets this quarter. So was there anything else that was impacting that and caused it to tick up as a percentage? Thanks. Yeah, you're um, you're you're right in that the um, payment um, penetration increase largely came from plus in this quarter. We did introduce payments in um, a couple of new markets in the quarter internationally, uh, Japan and, and Hong Kong, but they had minimal impact on on this quarter. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. Our next question comes from the line of Terry Tillman with SunTrust. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks for taking my question. It, it's a question yeah, about the uh, Shopify Capital and the cash advances. Can you give us any kind of update in terms of correlation of when you're giving out these cash advances, uh, seeing a direct correlation with improvement or accelerating GMV from those customers and or their aptitude to move to a higher price point software SKU? Just trying to understand the returns you're seeing. Thank you. Yeah, um, sure. Um, I mean, this is why we do it, right? Um, so we, like, this is exactly the kind of, like, if, if you would go into the part of the teams uh, that are working on these products, um, the dashboards that are hanging in there are all related to um, general business success metrics rather than, you know, factoring rates and all these uh, kind of things. <laughs> okay, I don't want to give the impression we're not looking at those either, um, but it's the, the reason why we started the product was really that, um, you know, just acquiring capital, um, uh, it was one of those barriers to entrepreneurship that we just really wanted to simplify. And um, so 
I can't give you hard numbers and they, um, frankly, they are also very much in flux. They are massively seasonal. They are um, depend very much on industry. There's a lot of different kind of um, requirements that people uh, need, need the money for. But we, we do see um, and our surveys show and the conversations we have, like we have and specifically I have with uh, my customers is that the vast majority, it's, it just goes in inventory. Um, people usually use it to um, do a higher commitment on, 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 on the products um, uh, purchases and therefore get better rates, increase their own profitability. And so in many cases, the factoring ends up being completely revenue neutral to them. And this is why it's such a um, successful product. Great. Thanks, Terry. Our next question comes from the line of Darren Aftahi with Roth Capital Partners. The line is open. Thanks for my questions. Uh, just with the completion uh, to the cloud over, um, can you just give us a sense on the cadence for gross margins for the rest of the year? Thanks. Yeah, sure. Um, let's start with the second quarter performance. As we had, had indicated um, on the last call, it would be impacted by the migration to the cloud, which, which it was. Um, we have uh, subsequently completed migration of our customers over to the cloud, which was a, a huge milestone. And um, we uh, now in the third quarter expect to just be uh, finalizing uh, elimination of duplicative costs and accelerated depreciation on our, our servers as we decommission. Um, so we expect to be largely completed in the third quarter. Um, subscription margins will be impacted again in the third quarter. Uh, we expect comparable uh, subscription margins um, to the second quarter. Uh, but as we exit the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, uh, with all of that behind us, we expect a sequential increase in subscription margins. Thank you. Thanks, Darren. Our next question comes from the line of Jesse Helsing with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Yeah, thank you. Um, Toby, or, or maybe Harley, this is a question for you. I, I'm wondering if the, the cost of, of advertising on Facebook or, or other social media goes up or becomes less effective, what impact do you think that has on, on, on your merchants and I guess the health of, of your business? And have you thought about ways to help merchants find their customers in other ways. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you talk like you're talking about the, 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 the actual increase of uh, costs of uh, your marketing that's going on or probably the hypothetical of, of this continuing forever. Um, it, it's hard to know. Like the Internet so far has been exceptionally good at coming up with new advertising uh, surfaces, which then um, um, allows the you know some kind of um, bounce to the cost of every particular ad. Um, now um, you know internet uh, like Facebook is clearly running out of humans on the planet um, in terms of increasing um, uh, you know these surfaces. So like this is the kind of questions we kind of have to ask ourselves now. I think the um, the reality is that um, because so many of our customers are makers, um, they um, end up having fairly high margins because they're the only people who sell the products and so on. And they, they are really, really good uh, in an advertising future that might turn significantly more expensive. Um, so um, that that being said, it, uh, a lot of 
what's marketing in general has also really shifted um, to some other forms that actually aren't like like that, that have completely different economics. I mean, if you if you look at if you look at the Forbes cover right now, it's Kylie Jenner there, right? We talked about this before. Like she's built in three years a nine hundred million dollar business, which is just um, I mean, it's like it's it's absolutely unprecedented and 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 crazy. And there was not a lot of advertising spend. That's a, the entire company is a team for eight, right? Um, now they did it with. Um, had the luxury of doing self-influencer marketing, which is not available to most people, but the category is available. There's another form of getting getting the word out. So I think people are too crafty to really let themselves limit if there's um, if some advertising source um, dries up, another one will be found. Um, and in fact, um, things have been shifting significantly away from uh, purchase ads in, in in many product categories, and so. I think I think you'll just see people become a little bit more entrepreneurial along those lines. Would you consider making a marketplace for for your merchants? I'm always going to consider it, and I've done it many times before, <laughs> unsuccessfully. Though you know, if you would have come to Shopify.com um, in let's say 2007, which seems like about a hundred internet years ago now, um, it was a marketplace back then. Um, so. The reason um, why we stopped it back then was we were a fairly small company. We really, really needed focus um, to building um, just the merchant operating system that we talk about now. It happens to be a dedicated pursuit for a uh, even a public company of our size. So we, we luckily uh, recognized this and stopped the efforts. Um, but in, interestingly, um, a marketplace is something that really only, like if, if you think about it, there's really one per decade, if even that. That that really really makes it uh, becomes something that people go go to. It's it requires a whole lot more luck than than execution, um, and it usually happens around the time of a, of a significant technology switchover. So we will we might participate, but I I think the the problem is that marketplaces also exist at a different time scale than I think um, uh, what what we are sort of aiming at. Like for instance, and this is sort of our go-to example, right? Um, uh, with our multi-channel strategy five years ago, maybe 10 years ago at this point, uh, MySpace would have probably been the kind of marketplace that we really, really have to uh, push out. And then, of course, that went away. So um, I, I think our position with um, being neutral, like as in not having an own marketplace, and therefore having a very, very easy way, um, in and, and easy way to talk to all the people who do happen to have marketplaces, like Pinterest, Instagram has the marketplace right now, Makes it so that we can actually integrate all of them uh, and help our customers in 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 that way. So we think about it a lot, um, but it's it, it is unlikely that it's the right move uh, for the company. Now, that doesn't mean we are we we have to completely sit on our hands in terms of uh, you know helping our customers with marketing. You know, I I, I already said when um, uh, doing the kit acquisition that. We are very interested in especially um, marketing simplification because um, it is just very, very, very dif difficult. Um, like if you, if you use the um, Google AdWords um, interface in its um, normal mode, um, you really need a PhD in AdWords <laughs> to, to, to even use this thing, right? So that's a kind of uh, that's that's one of our barriers. Now the industry itself is trying to make it a little bit more. Um, uh, um, beginner friendly, um, but this is something we can partake in. 
and then as we get people to get comfortable spending money, getting return investment on on these kind of things, uh, I, I I think we help people greatly in their early days, and then um, uh, they're off to a races. Great. Yeah, so. Thanks so much, Jesse. Our next question comes from the line of Deepak Madhavanan with Barclays. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Merchant Solutions' gross margin was only up, I guess, around 170 basis points, uh, despite shipping and capital being strong during the quarter. I know last quarter you benefited from timing of certain one-time items. Can you talk about what um, drove leverage or, you know, less than leverage compared to last quarter at this time? Should we expect the leverage levels going forward to be around, you know, what we saw in 2Q? Thanks. So on, on merchant uh, solutions gross margin, um, quarter over quarter, you're, you're correct. There were one-time items in the first quarter. Um, so uh, subtracting or excluding that, um, most of the uh, lift did come from shipping and capital. Um, but uh, payments um, probably uh, saw a little bit of uh, a decline because of on, a, on the margin side because Plus was such a big component um, in the second quarter, so they get a, a, a reduced rate on payments, uh, and so that definitely played a factor. Uh, with respect to the remainder of the year, we continuing to keep our, our guidance the same. We said that uh, every quarter in 2018 would be higher than their comparable quarter in 2017, but not to the extent uh, that we saw in the first quarter because of the one-time items. And we do largely expect that lift to be driven by um, shipping and capital. Great. Thank you, Deepak. Next question, please. We have a question from Thomas Ford with D.A. Davidson. Your line is open. Great. <clears throat> Thanks for taking my question. So I appreciate the uh, comments on the updated shelf, but was hoping you can give us an update on what your <clears throat> current M&A strategy is. Thank you. Hey there, Charlie. Uh, similar to uh, what we've always said, um, we are uh, very careful and deliberate about M&A. We've done a number of deals that have added a ton of value, to, not just to our company, but also to uh, the value we, we give to merchants. We can need to evaluate that, um, but I, I wouldn't tie the two together. Um, the, the shelf is, uh, file on the shelf is, is paperwork that we have to do, and we, we, we're, we're diligent about that, but I wouldn't necessarily tie the two together. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to Thank just you. add a couple of um, I'd like to just add a couple of comments uh, while we're on that topic, um, just to be clear, in addition to my script. Um, in Canada, shelf registration statements expire after two years, uh, and our current shelf was due to expire in early September. Uh, we renewed at this point in time uh, a little earlier than the expiration because we wanted to have the opportunity to discuss it directly on this earnings call. Uh, I want to emphasize we have no intention of an immediate offering uh, unlike the U.S., uh, where there's no fixed dollar amount uh, required for a shelf, under Canadian law, we must enter a dollar amount. Uh, so it makes sense for us to maintain uh, flexibility. The amount is commensurate with the growth in our market cap, and it's um, consistent with Canadian comps. Great. Thank Thanks, you. Um, our next question comes from the line of Kevin Krishnaratne with Paradigm Capital. Your line is open. 
Hi there. Good morning. Just a question on international. Can you, can you talk about the opportunity for PLUS internationally? What do you think the TAM is there? How are you addressing that opportunity? And you've been uh, seeing PLUS MRR uh, disclosed moving up to 23% of total MRR. How, uh, how early are we on that metric when you're looking at international markets only? Thank you. Hey there, Charlie. I'll take that question. So it's, it's important to understand that international growth uh, and our international expansion plans, just like Shopify's overall journey, is going to be a long-term endeavor. Um, we've obviously been, been at this for a long time in our core geographies, more than 10 years, and so we understand what those gross drivers are. Uh, when it comes to international, we're still, we're still uh, working through to figure out what are the best growth drivers for us, whether it's through partnerships or it's different advertising methods to get new merchants. Um, to your question on Shopify Plus, in certain geographies, uh, Shopify Plus is offering lends itself really well to that, to the nuances and the cultures of those geographies. Uh, you know, for example, we have, we have brands like uh, Mercedes-Benz in India on Shopify Plus, which we've said a couple quarters ago. So in some geographies, as we expand, we, we will naturally and organically see uh, some really great uptick in, uh, in Shopify Plus adoption, uh, but that's, that's going to be dependent on the specific geography itself. Um, but we are, we're excited about international. We're, again, we're still sort of in the, uh, the first inning of, of the game and maybe just kind of uh, just getting started to figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, again, it's not just about language. It, it, it encompasses different cultural nuances of how people shop in those places, and we don't just want to go ahead and, and translate language and leave it, as, leave it at that. We actually want to make sure that we truly have product market fit in each geography that we enter into. Great. Thank you, Kevin. We have a question from David Hines with Canagore Genuity. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, maybe for, for Toby or Harley, uh, I wanted to ask about the acquisition of Magento. Uh, obviously, Adobe is a firm with, with pretty broad reach. So just curious for any comments, how you see that deal uh, impacting your opportunity? I mean, um, hmm. it's always a good question and how, how, how to approach this. It's like, if I, if I just sort of say, like, I mean, Magento hasn't been that big of a factor, right? I mean, the biggest, like, Magento comes up a lot at, at the Shopify offices as a as, as a sort of latent potential acquisition source for Plus customers, and I mean, this is a context we usually talk about. Um, there isn't strength in the product. Uh, there, there's no, like, there, most of the reasons why someone would use Magento um, uh, over Shopify are because of sort of internal politics and uh, uh, poor decision making, frankly, um, or mi misguided uh, ideas about wanting to do your own hosting for e-commerce, which uh, I, 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 I do a lot, a lot of hosting for e-commerce, and I can tell everyone they should not want to do this. Um, it's, it's, it's quite tricky. Um, so what do I think about this? I, I, I mean, like, it's it's interesting that everyone is being picked up around us, right? Like this happened sort of with demand there too, um, um, just a short term earlier. Um, these are uh, pieces of software that were written in another decade. Um, they are, um, I, I don't think, adequate for the modern internet. They don't um, uh, they don't solve the real challenges that merchants uh, have. And you know, if you talk with the people who are running these kind of Stores, you really hear, you usually hear a lot of conversations about uh, how we platforming and so on. So now Adobe is a company I, I, I admire greatly. Uh, I, uh, they have a lot of free cash flow. If they are willing to pump it all in, or much of it into uh, Magento, uh, maybe something interesting could come out of it. 
Um, I would actually, frankly, welcome a strong competitor of some kind because uh, it's 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 usually good for a market if uh, people compete and uh, um, you know like we we are having fun sort of increasing our internal uh, bar for quality and uh, you know trying to um, you know get better and better every day but it's really it, it it's it's really hard to create internal urgency around these kind of things if, if there's no one else who sort of at least looks a little bit dangerous um, so. Uh, that might, might, might be fun for everyone. So, I don't know. I can probably keep going and talk about another 50 irrelevant things about Magento. I think the main message is I don't think it matters much. Yep. Okay. Help the, only, the, only that I would add, the only thing I would add to that is, is we've been, you know, you mentioned sort of the, um, the plus, uh, plus merchant acquisition through Magento. We've been at that for quite a long time. Uh, same thing with the uh, Magento uh, Gold Partners. We've been um, trying to get as many right. over to us as possible. And so a lot of the low-hanging fruit that we had in the early days, uh, we've, we've, we've already seen. Uh, we continue to see migrations from Magento and, and uh, Magento partners moving on to Shopify Plus, uh, but a lot of that, uh, a lot of the major um, migrations we saw had happened already, so uh, it, that, that won't really change much for us. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. Next question, please. And we have a question from Nikhil Tadani with Mackey Research Capital. Your line is open. Oh, hey, uh, thanks, guys. Um, we've all seen the uh, recent headlines about uh, tech hiring in Toronto and Canada picking up. I was just curious how that impacts your growth plans, if at all. Thanks. Yeah, I, um, the headlines are, exist because uh, I think everyone's walking up to the opportunity. Like, I mean, people probably also looked at Shopify as like, why the heck did this thing work as well as it did and realized we've, we've been recruiting out of talent pools that were completely under uh, underappreciated, right? So, um, uh, you know, Toronto, um, all, like all our cities, um, recruiting, I mean, it's getting more competitive, but um, these are also incredibly deep talent pools and incredible places to build um, uh, companies at. And frankly, I think in all the cities we have offices, we are the best employer in that particular geography. Um, and therefore, um, you know, this all works to our advantage uh, in the end. Great, thanks, Nikhil. Next question, please. We have a question from Brian Essex with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Uh, hi, good morning. Uh, thank you for taking the question. Um, I, I guess I just had a question on, you know, some of the uh, nuances around, um, you know, changing and pricing arrangements for Shopify Plus, and, and curious to to the extent that the removal of the cap on Shopify Plus on January first. Um, how did that impact the model? How should we think about that going forward in terms of um, if it didn't really impact the quarter, where do you see upside uh, and in what categories going forward? Yeah, I mean, the reason we added the the, uh, the cap in the first place was uh, obviously when you when you changed pricing as we did uh, last year uh, to to the new pricing model, we wanted to ensure that our merchants can sort of ease into it and and made sure that they were able to digest it, and so we thought that having the cap there provided us with a little bit of a, of an easier way to introduce a new pricing model. Uh, we feel at this point now that uh, for all new merchants that are coming on and obviously merchants that are uh, expiring on their on their contracts that are renewing their contracts, uh, that that the cap is just no longer necessary, and so in many ways the removal of the cap is more for is more forward looking and, and, and future looking in terms of if we have a merchant that comes on uh, and now that that is going to sell you know a, a lot of uh, sell a lot of products and, and increase a lot of GMV we want to make sure that we share in that upside and this removal of the cap does exactly that for us as well 
Um, so I, I wouldn't say that uh, that the removal of the cap uh, has been a, a massive uh, driver for us to date, but it really does future-proof our pricing model for Shopify Plus to ensure that we consistently share in the upside going forward. Thanks. Any, any merchants in particular? Uh, we don't comment on individual merchants. <laughs> no, I was just going to say any, any merchants in particular, like just in general, have, you know, acceleration in the fees that they pay as a result of the removal of cap. Well, well, most of the merchants are on uh, are on a contract, right? So when the contract expires, uh, they'll be um, uh, they'll be renewed on the new pricing model. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Our next question comes from the line of Sivan Sukumar with Aid Capital. Your line is open. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Uh, this is a question on on the B2B opportunity. Can you update us on the progress you are making? Uh, you're seeing with the, the B2B wholesale opportunity, and how has that been driving adoption with uh, with existing and new plus merchants? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way to think about the B2B and the wholesale channel for Shopify Plus is really for for some uh, for a few merchants, it's really really important. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a product that we use across the larger uh, user base and merchant base of Shopify Plus. It'll be for some specific merchants. It'll be very very important. What we like about it, however, is that it further increases our total addressable market because now we can go after uh, larger brands and, and high volume retailers uh, that are doing uh, wholesale that traditionally we wouldn't have been able to do that before. And so certainly we have uh, merchants that are using it, and the ones that are using it are, are quite happy with it. It is uh, it, it's still uh, the functionality continues to evolve on it. We're still adding new new features and and functionality. Uh, as we go and as we learn about the nuances of B2B wholesale selling, which is something fairly new to us. But uh, again, the way to look at it is that for a few merchants, it's really important, but it will not be something that will be used broadly across the PLUS uh, merchant base. Great. Thank you, Susan. Next question, please. We have a question from Todd Kuplin with CIBC. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I, I, I got the, uh, the explanation on monthly recurring revenue shifting to plus in the quarter, but at a 49% growth rate, that's the slowest uh, growth we've seen in that line in uh, quite a while. Can you uh, comment if there's anything else going on there? Thanks very much. Uh, we think our almost 50% MRR growth is pretty solid performance and was within our expectations. Um, we don't expect MRR growth to accelerate every quarter. Um, our Q2 results uh, indicated our growth drivers are, are varied and strong. Um, we continue to add merchants at a healthy pace. Shopify Plus added a record number of new merchants in the quarter. Merchant mix did play a factor in Q2. Um, merchants continue to expand their GMV. Uh, the percentage of merchants adopting merchant solutions grew across the board, payment, shipping, and capital being the key drivers. And so we really look at it as the totality of uh, this strong business model, and that's what allowed us to increase our revenue forecast for the year. Thanks, Todd. Next question, please. We have a question from Ronald Bookbinder with IFS Securities. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my question. The market seems to be <coughs> concerned about uh, churn, and that you could possibly run out of, of potential merchants. But isn't it true that entrepreneurs just aren't one-and-done type of people, that the, the entrepreneurs will have multiple websites um, as they continue to try and figure out what works for them? 
similar to like Wayfair started off with 240 websites before consolidating down to one. <clears throat> what do you think is the average number of websites each <clears throat> entrepreneur has on, on your platform? I love the question. Um, you, you're you're exactly right. Again, the very entrepreneurial process is, is um, you know, start up a bunch of things and then figure which one gets the traction and then hopefully go all in on that one, right? So, um, uh, and involves a series of pivots and changes. I mean, this very uh, business um, used to be a snowboard store, right? So, um, the, you know, here's a um, I can't give you good numbers around it. Like we, we have, inter of course, we have internal estimates um, uh, on it, but it's it's lossy because the way Shopify, like probably one of the regrets I have when I uh, wrote the initial version of Shopify is that I didn't really anticipate um, this sort of creation and, 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 and trial. And therefore what I um, didn't do is allow people to create one account under which um, uh, you could create any number of stores and sort of track them against each other. But I, if, if I had a time machine, this would be one of those little changes in the data model that I would have done. Now, we, we will retrofit this. This is something um, we've already said we would um, do at Unite. So um, once we do that, we will have a much better idea because we kind of really can sort of track the entrepreneurial process across different uh, attempts. Um, so this is like... Um, you know, the churn, there's a lot of um, focus on it. Um, and it's this really, like, we haven't found the right language to describe why it's simply not a problem. Like, for instance, like, churn in almost universally is actually the, the successful discovery of something that didn't work. So it's, 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 a, it's a building block in this process towards, um, you know, some being successful, uh, uh, creating something, just as you said. In fact, this actually isn't even so concentrated on the very beginnings. So what, um, what we also see is that um, the, even with a plus store, um, they, would, they, they, they add a new product line, maybe a new, like let, let's say a fashion store adds a new collection. Um, this goes into the main store, but what they will do is actually create a completely separate account, um, a, a separate site, just built around the one collection as a, you know, almost a landing page for their uh, marketing campaign for some kind of uh, like real life activation and so on. So even that process continues um, uh, throughout the line. So it, it's, an in, it's an interesting component and um, it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, just looking at Shopify purely food units um, is, uh, is a very lossy picture. So I'm violently agreeing with you is what I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, thank All you right. very much. Thank you, Ron. Next we have question, a question from We have a question from Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking the question. So I wanted to hit on the go-to-market motion for PLUS. You know, obviously we've seen the partner channel expand quite a bit, but what inning do you think we're in in terms of addressing established relationships with potential partners and maybe give us an update on hiring plans for the Shopify PLUS Salesforce? Thanks, guys. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, on the sales, I'll start with the sales part. Uh, you know, we continue to add new sales hackers to uh, the Shopify Plus team uh, every quarter, as, as we have in previous quarters. So that will continue. Um, we, we, uh, we're hiring some really wonderful people that uh, we think can help us, uh, you know, move the needle there. Uh, in, in terms of other channels, um, you know, with, mat- with maturity or uh, more maturity with Shopify Plus, we're now, you know, four years out since we started, launched it in 2014. We're now realizing uh, which channels work better than others. Certainly, uh, the types of partners that we have that are referring merchants to us uh, are not the type of partners that we traditionally saw on Shopify, these sort of, you know, 10-person agencies. And we're now seeing 300-person agencies that are now becoming wonderful channel partners for us and, and that are referring uh, new large-scale merchants to Plus. We're also, you know, utilizing things like trade shows, which are something that traditionally Shopify had never really done. But in the enterprise commerce world, that is something that is really effective. And so I would say that we've matured our strategy beyond just sales hackers to have a multi-pronged strategy from partners to uh, in-person selling, and, and that's working really well for us. Um, but as we continue, we're, we're always going to uncover new opportunities. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, we, we still see those upgrades coming from people that started on Shopify just a couple years ago as a small little shop at a, at a, at a coffee shop. Uh, uh, we're still seeing those upgrades coming to Shopify Plus as well. And so I think the mix of, of where we're getting these plus, mer- plus merchants from continues to develop, and uh, it's, it's a really exciting part of our business. Great. Thank you, Brian. Next question, please. We have a question from Jonathan Keyes with Summit Insights Group. Your line is open. Great. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, my sole question will be uh, regarding your three priorities, the uh, platform, International and Shopify Plus. Uh, I guess to me those sound like um, separate investment endeavors. Uh, I kind of want to pull into some of the comments you've made in this call as well as in the previous earnings call. Uh, can you talk about in terms of um, how your how the investing is going to go for each of these priorities? You, in the previous call, uh, in the last earnings call, you talked about for Shopify Plus you're looking to hire about 500 salespeople for that in the next couple of years and. You know, you just mentioned for the uh, international, that's a long-term endeavor. So uh, you've raised the guidance for this year, kept the operating margin the same. So I guess beyond 2018, how do you look in terms of the uh, the uh, spending for each one of these priorities? Uh, you know, ideally, if you could talk about in terms of sales marketing versus R&D and, and that kind of stuff, um, if it's still going to be, I'm assuming both are still going to be pretty rapid growth. Uh, but, you know, if you can do a comparison between one versus the other, that'd be great. Thanks. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off here. Um, you know, I, there were all three, you know, incredibly important um, as we've talked about historically. Um, I, I think uh, what, what you're just saying, though, uh, you know, I, I expect the investment will continue to be uh, significant in each one of them and, and some other growth areas, um, but they do have slightly different time horizons and how to how to think about them. You know, plus we started investing in. Um, several years ago um, and is, is paying off in, in spades now, as you saw in the second quarter. But we, we also see continued opportunities there, both on, on the product R&D side and, um, and sales and marketing. Um, the information that you talked about, the 500 um, ads, is incorrect. We've, we've never stated a headcount number, um, but we are investing in sales and marketing capabilities uh, both in our core markets and internationally for PLUS because we see a very exciting opportunity there going forward. Um, On the platform, uh, you know, we've just um, finalized the uh, cloud migration, which we said was incredibly important for us. 
in terms of um, growing into the future. It provides more flexibility as we grow internationally than if we had our own data centers, and it allows us to introduce product faster. And there will be continued investments in the platform um, as we as we move forward. Um, some of them that we have announced later this year in multi-location uh, inventory and and things like that, and we'll continue to grow and evolve our platform o over time. Uh, with respect to international, I would say those investments are a little bit earlier stage. Um, we're just now um, rolling out um, additional features and functionality as, we, as we've talked about um, on the script, and we see a lot of exciting opportunities there, but international is, um, is is um is is challenging each each market is slightly different with different regulations different um go to market strategies uh with partners and um different um uh payment methods etc and so that will take time and as we've said those those investments will continue well into the future and we expect those payoffs to be measured in years not not a quarter or two um, so um, we see a lot of exciting opportunity, continued investment um, into the future um, because the growth opportunities are enormous. Uh, and I'll just pipe in there, Jonathan. I think you're thinking about the Waterloo office expansion, 300 to 500 people over the next few years is probably where that came from. Um, okay. Thanks, and Great. I thanks think we have time for a sure thing. Um, we have time for one more question. And our last question will come from Justin Furby with William Blair. Your line is open. Great. Thanks for sneaking me, sneaking me in. I guess just for Harley, the Google partnership, um, can you give a sense of did, did you approach them? Did, did they approach you? What drove that and sort of the monetization um, for you guys that, that did not? And then, Amy, one of the metrics that we look at is sort of the incremental MRR you add quarter over quarter and compare that to the year-ago period. Uh, and it looks like that metric was a little bit negative for the first time in terms of new bookings growth. So I'm just wondering why that is and maybe if that's not giving us the real picture in terms of subscription booking. Thanks. Hey there, I'll start with the uh, the Google question. We're, we're not going to sort of get into uh, where these partnerships come from. We're, we work with the largest and some of the greatest companies around the planet constantly. So uh, they, they um, we, we, we have a lot of partnerships. Um, the reason that we thought the Google partnership in particular with the hardware was important was because Shopify, we, we fundamentally want to be the heart of the business for our merchants. And we feel like if even if those, uh, you know, if, if those brick and mortar merchants and the POS users of Shopify are able to monitor actually their, their physical stores directly from Shopify, it further makes us the center and the heart of their business, which we think is really important. So we think it just makes sense for everyone and, and we're quite happy with it. Uh, with respect to the, um, the MRR added in the quarter, uh, which I think is what the question was uh, relating to, um, you know, I, I go back to what I said previously in another question, um, that we think our growth in the quarter was solid performance. Uh, we, we don't expect to accelerate um, either added um, MRR or MRR growth every quarter. Um, there's puts and takes in, in our, our model and very drivers of growth that will hit at various times and we're confident in the overall um, business model um, to continue to produce strong growth into the future. Okay, got it. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Justin, and thanks everybody for joining today's conference call.
This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.